0: To support this podcast, visit patreon.com forward slash support buddha or visit Wisdom.com, where you will discover a full range of courses, retreats, and online learning resources to assist you on the path to enlightenment. Now, here's our teacher to share more. Sawadee kap.
1: Hello and welcome to Daily Wisdom, Walking the Path with the Buddha. Today is our group learning program where we come together to do meditation on Wednesdays. On Sundays, we do a talk in this book, Developing a Life Practice, The Path That Leads to Enlightenment. And this week, we did a talk on Chapter 12. This Sunday, will be in Chapter 13, which is titled, Identifying Your Attachments, Cultivating Non-Clinging, and Analysis of the Mind." In that particular chapter, we're going to dive into how to identify your craving, desire, attachments, and how to actually put together a plan to actually eliminate them, which is a really important skill or ability to have. In addition to meditation, the very next thing that's really important is to be able to identify your attachments and put together a plan of actually how to eliminate them. So we're going to discuss that this Sunday as part of chapter 13 and if you'd like to read that chapter before or after or before and after class you can certainly do that but today on wednesdays we come together in order to support encourage and motivate each other in our meditation practice one wednesday we do breathing mindfulness meditation the next wednesday we do loving kindness meditation and we rotate these on an ongoing basis we stream this out to facebook youtube periscope twitch we record this for our podcast and we even have people in zoom as well who can participate live with a direct connection straight into zoom so however you're taking in this content whether it's during the live class or over the replay or our podcast welcome i'm really pleased to see that all of you guys are interested in learning and practicing the teachings of gotama buddha because as we train our mind this is what transforms the mind from this polluted unenlightened mental state towards this enlightened mental state. It's our meditation, which is our daily, regular, consistent training. But we also do training outside of meditation too in our daily life. So this particular meditation of loving kindness is all about transforming anger, hatred, ill will, the lesser versions of that like frustration, irritation, annoyance, there are certain aspects of the mind that it becomes hostile, it becomes aggressive, it can even lash out at people, it can kind of look out for enemies and kind of put together uh, strategies of kind of paying people back or retaliation towards people. This is how that anger, hatred, and ill will kind of starts to manifest that we start to feel insecure about the people around us and we start feeling like we need to be in fear and kind of look out for enemies around us. But when you eliminate craving, which is part of that breathing mindfulness meditation and part of a lot of the other training that we do on this path, and you eliminate this anger, this hatred, this ill will, this aggression, this hostility through eliminating ignorance by acquiring wisdom, then you can live more harmoniously with all beings. Because when you don't have that anger, hatred, ill will, that retaliation, that hostility, that aggression that comes into the mind when we don't get our cravings fulfilled, when you eliminate that and eradicate that pollution from the mind, then we can reside peaceful and calm in all situations because we don't have this craving that's pushing us and pushing us and pushing us, wanting certain things, expecting certain things, wanting the objects of our affection. And when we decrease those, then we also are decreasing this anger and this hatred. But it's this loving kindness meditation that helps to transform that anger and hatred in the mind and allows us to practice loving kindness in daily life. Because if we were just to meditate doing loving kindness meditation and that's all we did, it wouldn't actually resolve all the problems in the unenlightened mind. We need to practice the entire eightfold path, which includes right intention, right speech right action and ensuring that when we're interacting with people that we're polite kind friendly and respectful because when we're not treating others that way then this hostility this aggression these difficulties come back to us so by us working on our own mind and transforming that that's where we will start seeing more and more progress in the world because our personal and professional relationships will be more harmonious because we're not allowing this craving-desire-attachment to motivate our decisions. Instead of having unskillful conduct, we can have skillful conduct. And rather than this anger, hatred, ill will, and all the lesser versions motivating unskillful conduct, we can have this polite, kind, friendly, and respectful way about us as we interact in the world and that transformation really starts with meditation that's how we kind of really put all of this underway aside from you know establishing right view and right intention and all the other things that we do but in terms of this daily consistent ongoing practice of meditation this is how we develop that genuine interest in seeing all beings be well without judgment that's what loving kindness is this genuine interest and just seeing all beings be well. Now, when craving takes over our mind, it's very difficult to practice loving kindness. So that's why as part of our loving kindness meditation, we work with breathing mindfulness meditation first. We kind of do like a five or 10 minute session of breathing mindfulness meditation to bring that craving down. Then we bring in the loving kindness meditation, which I will guide you guys in then we kind of end off with some more breathing mindfulness meditation so the real secret to all of this which isn't a secret is to eliminate craving desire attachment by eliminating that then the discontentedness significantly diminishes and ultimately gets eliminated and anger won't actually be there but at the same time that we're working to eliminate craving desire attachment through breathing mindfulness meditation And generosity, we need to also be working with loving kindness meditation on a regular basis so that then we can practice through our intention, speech and actions, this loving kindness or this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. And we do that through our intention, speech and actions being polite, kind, friendly and respectful. Because once again, if we just did meditation and that's it, we didn't move this into practice in our interactions with others, we wouldn't see the real transformation in the mind. Maybe during the meditation, we were feeling all this loving kindness. But then in daily life, if we go around and being harsh and aggressive with people, then that anger is coming out of us. And then people are experiencing that from us. And then that's what comes back to us. So it's the meditation that helps the transition, helps this transformation to move forward. But then the real challenge for us is to bring that into our daily interactions with all people through our intentions, our speech and our actions. So today we're gonna do this loving kindness meditation where I'll just guide you guys in with breathing mindfulness. Then we'll do that for a period of time where they'll just be quiet in order to focus on the breath and cutting off any thoughts and letting those go. And then during the loving kindness meditation, I will be doing affirmations. I'll start with, may I be peaceful. That means you, you would say this in your mind. On your out breath, you would say, may I be peaceful. Meaning Jan or Donnie or Chrissy or Bossom, anybody who's doing this meditation, when you're thinking, may I be peaceful, you're thinking this being who you are. Because you need to have loving kindness for yourself before you can have it for others. So these four affirmations are may I be peaceful, may I be safe, may I be well, and may I be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes. And after we go through those four affirmations, then we'll expand the ring a little bit more. May we be peaceful, meaning all of us who are meditating together. May We be safe. May we be well. May we be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. Then what you would do in your private practice is you would create rings that are based on challenging relationships that you have. If you have certain anger or hostility towards certain people and you're finding it difficult, in order to interact with them in a polite, kind, friendly, and respectful way, then you would, would like to create a ring for that person or that group of people. And you would like to create these multiple rings until eventually you get to may all beings be peaceful, safe, well, and free of discontentedness. When I'm doing this guided meditation, I come up with kind of generic rings that kind of apply to everybody. But in your private practice, you should be doing rings that are unique to the mind that you have. You know the anger and hatred and the frustration and annoyance and the people that you find really challenging to interact with. And it's all based on what's going on in your own mind. So you would like to transform that. So if you've got friends or family or people in your past, maybe ex-spouses or co-workers or people in your past that have been challenging for you, you would like to include them in your loving kindness meditation. Not because you're trying to get them to change. That's not what your meditation is about. Your meditation is to transform your mind so that you can let go of the anger, hatred, ill will you have for these individuals. Because it's not helping you to have this anger, hatred, ill will in the mind. It's actually burdening your mind with this defilement with this pollution with this hostility and aggression even if you haven't seen that person for 20 years and there's no likelihood that you'll ever see that person ever again if the mind is still harboring anger hatred ill will for that person you're going to need to let it go before the mind actually gets to enlightenment it can't get to enlightenment as long as it's even got one speck of anger hatred or ill will in there so you would like to create these rings based on your specific life and your experiences, so that you have a dedicated, purposeful training session where you're actively training the mind to eliminate this unwholesome quality of anger, hatred, and ill will, and you're working to arise this wholesome quality of loving kindness, or this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. So let me pause and see if you guys have any questions before we do meditation together. We'll have a question period at the end of class as well after we're done with meditation, but just in case you've never done loving-kindness meditation with us, or if you've been doing this with us for a while and you have some questions to kind of help you along, I'd like to open up before and after meditation to any questions. The way that you ask those is put those into Facebook, YouTube, or Zoom. Our moderator, Bassem, will see those and be sure your questions get asked, or you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions directly that you like. Hello, teacher.
2: We have a question from our boss in Zoom. She says, should there be a ring for each person?
1: Yes, you can do this for each individual person. And it should be primarily people that you already have anger, hatred, and ill will for. But one of the things you can also do is you can put people in there that you currently have Loving kindness for that can be a strategy too. So you might start with, May I, and then say your children or your family, your close family that you have loving kindness for. You might have them as like a second ring because you already have loving kindness for them and you would like to support that. You would like to encourage that. You would like to help it to grow. This is part of right effort that the Buddha teaches. So you might put them as a second ring. And then maybe there's kind of like types of people or groups of people that you're kind of neutral about and you might include them as like a third or a fourth ring and then the more challenging relationships that you have maybe you put those on kind of like an outer ring and as you build up your loving kindness in your meditation it then becomes easier for you to cultivate loving kindness for those people but yes you could either do it as an individual ring for individual people Or you could do it for groups of people. Like you can do like, may my family be peaceful. Or if you would like to really focus in on your children, if you have two or three children, you could actually do a ring for each child. Or you could do one ring for all your children. You can do it that way too. It depends on how you would like to do your meditation. And you shouldn't attempt to try to keep your loving kindness meditation the same because as your day-to-day experiences are changing, your meditation is probably going to change. So you might go for a week or two or three with loving kindness based on certain rings, maybe five, six, seven, eight different rings. And you might do that for a month or so even. And then when you feel that the anger has been dissipated and it's kind of been released, but you're noticing some other relationships in your mind that maybe some anger is starting to bubble up, Maybe you move some of those people out and you move the people that you're having more anger for, move them in. So this meditation of loving kindness is impermanent and you can kind of allow it to fluctuate based on what the mind needs. And by practicing mindfulness or awareness of mind, you'll know what's going on in the mind in terms of any kind of hostility or aggression that's in there. And as you're noticing any of that bubbling up, that's where you can customize this meditation based on your specific needs in that particular moment. And then what you're probably going to find is you're going to need a good week or two or three or maybe even multiple months to really wear away any kind of anger, hatred, and ill will in order to see some real change, depending on how much anger and hatred you have built up in your mind. I've often mentioned how when I first started meditating many years ago, I had some real challenges with my mom and it took me probably six months or so of doing meditation with her in there regularly before I finally could stop including her in my meditation. But then there might have been some other people that I needed to move into that. So be sure to use mindfulness to create these rings and develop the rings that you feel you need, but then don't feel like you need to hold on to those and keep those permanently that you can fluctuate this and allow this meditation to be fluid as you need to adjust it based on what's going on
0: in your life. Hello, teacher. Um, quick question If someone uh, hasn't had any anger or noticed any annoyances or frustration uh, uh, over a period of time, do, do you recommend they still do loving kindness meditation or should they just focus on breathing mindfulness?
1: there's definitely no harm in doing loving kindness meditation but from my experience if you haven't observed any anger for like a year or so then and you're not noticing that there's any anger towards anyone or any person then you can probably eliminate this and then you know though if you've used it for a period of time and you've used it in order to eliminate anger should any anger arise in the future Then you know what the solution is. It's kind of like you can put this tool away, perhaps, because you don't really need it that much. But then should you ever need this tool, you know that you can bring out this tool and use it. Because what happens with these fetters, because ill will is one of the fetters, it's the fifth fetter. And the fetters are what keeps the mind in the unenlightened state. It's like a ball and chain. So not only does anger, hatred, and ill will need to be eliminated from the mind because it's causing all this unskillful behavior, but it shows up at multiple parts of the Buddhist teachings as part of the three poisons, the three unwholesome roots, the three fires, the ten fetters, his meditation practice. It shows up as right intention, right speech. It shows up in a lot of different places. So You can cultivate this and you can stamp out this ill will as much as possible. And if you observe one year that you haven't had any anger or hatred towards anyone, you could put it to the side. But the thing about these fetters is they can kind of go dormant for about six months or so, even longer maybe, and then they can kind of arise. And if they've arisen, then that means that they haven't been fully eradicated from the mind. So Be honest with the mind, be objective with the mind, and wherever you notice that there's any kind of even slight annoyance, be sure you bring this in in order to completely eradicate the ill will from the mind. The Buddha used the term, he said, obliterate it at the stump so that it is no longer subject to future arising. Right. So if you have this wild bush and it's growing, you would like to cut it back and cut it back and cut it back and cut it back all the way down to the stump. But then you would also like to uproot this anger, hatred, and it will get rid of the roots so that this tree or this bush of anger never actually arises in the future, that it's no longer subject to future arising. And that's the words that the Buddha uses. So you're saying... If, uh, if you don't notice any,
0: even the simple versions of like frustration or annoyance for about six months um, and then you notice, hey, you got a little annoyed at something, uh, then you can just bring it back and that's OK.
1: Yeah, that's OK. I mean, I wouldn't be in a rush to stop doing loving kindness meditation. I, I would not suggest that to anybody. You know, that there's no harm in doing loving kindness meditation and there shouldn't be a rush to get rid of it. Because you would like to support it. You would like to encourage it. The Buddha talks about loving kindness should be permeating in the mind. The mind should be filled with loving kindness. And he talks about it to the point. He says, if two people should essentially grab you, lay you out, and take a saw and saw you limb to limb, basically saw off every single limb of your body. He says, if during that experience, if any anger arises, then you're not actually practicing his teachings closely. So you should get to the point where loving kindness is permeating and filling your mind so much that if somebody were to yank you off the street and saw you limb to limb, that no anger would arise during that situation. It doesn't mean you allow that to happen, right? That's not what the Buddha is suggesting, but you understand the analogy that even the most harmful, most horrible thing that somebody could do to you, the Buddhist saying, be sure you have loving kindness permeating in the mind so deeply and soaked in so well that even the most horrible thing somebody could ever do to you, be sure that there's an enormous amount of loving kindness that is there in the mind. I recall that chapter, teacher. I'm not sure which book it came from, but
0: uh, I I do recall it. Thank you for the reminder. Um, just one follow-up question, how does someone know if loving-kindness is permeating through their mind? Is it just by going by the definitions of loving-kindness and compassion, loving-kindness, genuine interests, and in seeing all beings be well, and compassion, concern for their misfortune? Is, is that permeating, or do you actually like feel like love going through the mind? Or how mm-hmm. would you describe it, sir?
1: Yeah. One of the ways that I think about it is take somebody who's like really close to you, because this analogy of someone sawing your body, you know that that's never going to probably happen to you. Hopefully. Right. That'll never happen. But take something like someone who's really close to you, like your son, Jackson or Christina, and think about if somebody sorry for the imagery, but think of somebody murdered them. Right. And somebody did the most horrible, despicable things to your son, or your girlfriend, Christina. How would you feel about that person having done that? So if you have any kind of hostility or aggression towards that person, then there's still a certain degree of anger, hatred, ill will, right? Of course, you're not going to be agreeable to the decisions that this person made, but you need to have loving kindness permeating in the mind so deeply that even if somebody did the most horrible, despicable things to somebody who's really, really close to you, that you can still have concern for that person's misfortune, which is compassion, and you can still have a genuine interest in seeing this being be well.
0: Thank you, teacher.
1: You're welcome. This is a great test that you can use for the mind.
2: Well, as for the permissions of Love and Kindness Meditation, are they meant to be practiced during? loving-kindness meditation sessions, or one can practice them outside of these sessions.
1: They should be practiced in loving-kindness meditation on a consistent, ongoing basis, which will gradually wear away even the strongest, most difficult anger, hatred, and ill will. It just takes a lot of time for people that you're harboring a lot of anger, hatred, ill will for. Then, as you're used to doing that on a regular, ongoing basis, in your daily life you can use those affirmations in daily life to really help you in certain situations i remember having done this meditation for a number of months and when i was living in america and i would be driving down the road and somebody would cut me off maybe in the past before i did this meditation i would be honking the horn i would be yelling maybe giving them a certain gesture with a hand and a certain finger where after doing this meditation and having it work on the mind, when somebody cut me off, I would just be like, all right, brother, may you be well, be well, may you be peaceful, you know, and I would just kind of say it almost out loud and definitely in the mind itself. So when you're cultivating it in meditation on a consistent ongoing basis, it's kind of like filling up the gas tank. And then when you go out in daily life, you would like your gas tank to stay full and you would like to practice. And you can use these affirmations in those situations, even when somebody writes you and says, oh, my goodness, you know, my husband is so sick or my kids are so sick. Can you pray for me? And if you know that God doesn't do that, God doesn't answer prayers in order to heal people, that's not what his function is, then you know that this person is challenged and they're reaching out to you and they're in a moment of need rather than lying and saying, okay, I'll pray for you when you maybe know that that's not how they're going to get help. What they need to do in order to get help is to make wise decisions with medical professionals. That's how this person who's in a medical dilemma is going to get help is through wise decisions with medical professionals. So you can not only in situations where someone cuts you off in traffic, say, may you be well. You can even use it in your chats and in your emails and in your conversations with people. Uh, You can say, you know, I have I just have a genuine interest in seeing you be well. May you be peaceful or may you be well. It's kind of like sending fond thoughts in the direction of others. And it can kind of comfort them. And it also keeps you with loving kindness and keeps you not attaching to the situation and kind of commiserating with them but instead you can stay on solid ground and kind of reach out a hand and then just share you know may you be well may you be peaceful i have nothing but an interest in seeing your family be well may you all be well or whatever words you decide to use that's the beauty of the buddhist teachings is that you don't have to ever use the b word you don't ever have to use buddhism when you interact with people, you can talk about these teachings without anybody ever even knowing you're you're talking about Buddhism because he taught these teachings in such a way that they're just good, wholesome teachings. So like with Bailan today, even his mom and I were talking at the table for lunch and I asked his mom a question and he cut in and tried to answer the question for his mom. And I said, Bailan, this isn't the right time for you to speak. I said, you have to be aware that when someone's asking someone else a question, that question is for them. It's not for you. So be sure you understand when the right time to speak is. So I didn't have to say, you know, well, the Buddha taught these five factors of well-spoken speech and all of these other things. I was just able to use the same language that speaking at the right time. And I know that's one of the factors. He knows it's one of the factors, but he just wasn't practicing it. He was too kind of excited a little bit to jump in because he felt like he knew the answer and he wanted to answer the question. And uh, rather than use the B word, <laughs> the Buddhism word, where people sometimes elicit this idea of religion and doctrine and rules, or which I don't think the Buddhist teachings are any of those things, but one of the ways to incorporate some of this language from your meditations and from other parts of the teachings is just use the same language that the Buddha used. He spoke in such a way that it's not rules. It's not commandments. It's good, wholesome teachings that can be shared with anybody at any time in terms of helping them if they're open to your help. Like with my son, of course, he's open to my help. But if that was maybe a stranger on the street, I probably wouldn't have said the same thing. I wouldn't have responded in the same way i would have probably handled it differently
2: well is it just affirmations or there are some feelings that one needs to generate in the mind
1: yeah you 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 should really put the feeling or not really feeling but the mental state what you're trying to accomplish is you're trying to cultivate this mental state of loving kindness so if you understand that there's loving kindness is this genuine interest. I mean, genuine, like real permeating mental state of having all beings be well. Like you're not interested in seeing any being be harmed whatsoever. Of course, that can't happen with a snap of a finger. If your mind is got anger, hatred, ill will, and it's going to come out, you know, it's going to come out until you get enlightened and you experience enlightenment for a year, two, three, and you can pretty much know your mind's enlightened, even in that first and second stage of enlightenment, there's still ill will in the mind, and it's still going to come out. So someone who is still putting together the Eightfold Path, they're going to have anger and hatred come out of the mind sometimes. This is part of like, if you were to turn on a water hose, it would kind of sputter and sputter and sputter, And then eventually, boom, it would be solid water. That's what happens when you start practicing these teachings is you kind of get these little spurts of times where you are practicing these teachings and you're able to practice them really well. And then there's times where you can't and and your mind just doesn't function on the same level as you would like it to. And it kind of sputters. So what you would like to do during the meditation and during daily life is you would like to cultivate this mental state Where you have this genuine interest in just seeing all beings be well. You can't imagine even one hair on an ant's head getting harmed and you just have this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. But at the same time, you're not holding on to it so tightly that you're afraid to walk down the street out of fear that you're going to step on an ant. But at the same time, you're not looking at being so complacent that you walk around killing every being that you see and and just tromping through the world, right? So you find that middle way where you're cultivating this mental state in meditation on a consistent ongoing basis. And then in your daily life, you're making choices through your intentions, speech, and actions to practice loving kindness even when it's difficult even when you feel you're standing in line and someone's got the biggest attitude at the cashier or they've just got the most sarcasm the maybe they've got the ugliest look on their face you've ever seen because they're so angry because they're in an argument with one of their coworkers or somebody at home even though they're feeling that way don't allow their feelings to impact your mental state You still smile. You still say, hello, how are you? Nice to see you today or whatever you, however you end up practicing, but you're not interested in allowing these outside experiences to affect your inner mind. That's essentially what you're going to by eliminating craving, desire, attachment is you're training the mind to no longer base its inner feelings on these impermanent conditions. So that you can maintain this permanent mental state of enlightenment where it's peaceful, calm, serene and content with joy. So just like you're not interested in allowing the mind to crave and attach to some new pair of shoes or new clothes to arise this pleasant feeling so that therefore when you don't get a new pair of shoes, you won't have these painful feelings. You're not interested in basing your inner feelings on these impermanent conditions. You're also not interested in basing your inner feelings on this impermanent condition of this cashier having a really bad day and they're being sarcastic and they're being rough with their other customers and you know they're probably gonna be rough with you too. So rather than allow your mind to go into the sarcasm and the anger and the aggression, just observe it for what it is, which is this person's having craving, anger and ignorance or unknowing of true reality. They're having a bad day. But don't allow that impermanent condition to affect your mind. You maintain your loving kindness. And this is what the Buddha was talking about, about if somebody was sawing you limb to limb. Imagine the level of hate somebody would have to have in order to saw another human being limb to limb. Well, in that situation, don't allow this impermanent situation to arise hate in the mind so that you can maintain your genuine interest in seeing all beings be well. Don't allow these impermanent conditions around you to affect your own mind. In order to get to that permanent mental state of enlightenment, you need to train the mind to the point where these impermanent conditions don't affect your mind in a negative way or even in a positive way. But your mind can just maintain the middle way Because you know if you put out any anger, hatred, ill will, frustration, irritation, annoyance, if you put out any of that, it's only going to come back to you. So why even allow the mind to go there? So it takes time to build up to that point. And it's not until the third stage of enlightenment until somebody has actually eradicated ill will entirely. So just know that even though you're working in this direction, there's going to be some anger, hatred, ill will that comes out occasionally. But where you see it, you observe it, you know that it came out, you have mindfulness, you know that that's not what you would like to practice long-term, you're working on eliminating this from the mind, and you just keep on going forward. You keep working at it more and more as you go forward.
2: Teacher, what about people who are no longer alive? but we feel anger
1: towards them. Yes, you need to eradicate that too. As long as you have any anger, even just a little drop or a little sliver, your mind isn't going to experience enlightenment. It's going to continue to harbor the anger, perhaps resentment and other feelings, and it's still polluted. It's still defiled. So even people who have passed away, you have to get to the point where you're able to let that go realizing that it's not helping you. It's not helping you at all to hold on to any kind of anger or ill will towards anyone, even people who died. It's only going to motivate unskillful conduct, and it's only going to produce painful feelings in the mind. And in order to eradicate those, you need to do breathing mindfulness meditation and practice all of the Eightfold Path and also loving kindness meditation and practicing all of the full path so uh, there's other aspects to this besides just the meditation but today our goal is to do the meditation together thanks
2: teacher no more question
1: for now okay so with that said let's go ahead and do our meditation together i don't know if you guys can tell i have a little bit of a sore throat so i'm going to try to do some chanting and then i'll do the guidance that i normally do for breathing mindfulness meditation and loving kindness meditation and then I'll try to do some chanting coming out but if I have any trouble and I need to stop with the chanting you're welcome to continue the chanting the way that you normally do if you do the chanting with me as a class so go ahead and take your position either seated standing or lying those are the kind of three positions that we do loving kindness meditation in And just make the lower body comfortable with the hands and arms comfortable in the lap. And then the upper body should be erect. The Buddha talks about this. He talks about keeping the upper body erect. And the reason why is because it keeps the mind attentive and alert during the meditation. This is real work to do the meditation. So you would like the mind to stay attentive and alert. This isn't a time to just zone out. But instead to really do the work during this meditation session. Next, close the eyes and start breathing in through the nose and out through the nose. Breathing in and out. Breathing in, and out. Your breath isn't going to necessarily sync up with the guidance that I'm giving. This is just a reminder for you to breathe in through the nose, and out through the nose. Take a nice full breath, experiencing the full inhale. Breathing in. And then experience the full exhale, just a nice, gradual, natural exhale. The breath shouldn't be forced. It shouldn't be controlled should just be a nice, gradual inhale through the nose and an exhale through the nose. I'm going to do some chanting just to ease us into meditation a bit. Then I'll be back with some more guidance. (coughs) hara
3: ahang sama sa mo to mah gah vang te a mi sava kha to dhāmāng
1: nāma stop with the chanting there, but you can continue. Just give some space here for the remaining of the chants before I continue with the guidance. Continue to breathe in through the nose, and out through the nose. with the breath well established, start focusing the mind on the breath. Focus on the sound of the breath coming into the nose or the sensation of air moving into the body, over the surface of the skin. The breath is the present moment. Breathing in. notice that the mind is off the breath, cut that off, let it go, come back to the breath, the present moment.
0: Breathing
4: in. In out.
1: The goal here is not to eliminate the thoughts. The goal is to be aware whenever the mind is off the breath. And then train the mind to easily let them go. Cut them off. Let them go. Coming back to the breath. Breathing in. In, out.
4: You have nowhere to go, there's nothing to do, no one
1: needs you right now, just focus on the breath, breathing in. Continuing to focus on the breath, breathing in through the nose, and out through the nose. On the out breath, wherever that is for you, repeat this affirmation in the mind.
4: Be peaceful. May I Be safe. May I be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes. May we be safe. free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes. Peaceful, may they be safe. May they be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes. Friends, be peaceful. May they be safe. may they be free of all discontentedness in the suffering it causes Who have harmed me, be peaceful. May they be safe. discontentedness and the suffering it causes. May all those whom I've harmed be peaceful. Safe, may they be well. be free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes. where they reside be peaceful may they be safe <clears throat> free of all discontentedness and the suffering it causes.
1: And now go back to breathing mindfulness
4: meditation. Focus on the breath. Cutting off any thoughts that arise, letting them go. Breathing in through
1: the nose and out through the nose. Okay, if you guys would like to slowly make your way out of meditation. I'm not gonna do any chanting any longer today. Apologize for being a bit sick, coughing during the meditation. <clears throat> Just some impermanence of the physical body. any questions that you guys have about loving-kindness meditation breathing mindfulness meditation or really anything along this path you're welcome to ask those questions now you can put those into Facebook YouTube or zoom our moderators will see that and be sure your question gets asked during the class or if you're in zoom you can electronically raise your hand and ask any questions that you like
2: well so a uh... Talking about impermanence, sometimes the mind is not, sometimes there are many thoughts in the mind, so it's not easy to focus on breath. In such cases, is it okay to repeat, inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale during the meditation session?
1: Yeah, that's fine. If you need a little bit more encouragement in your own practice, and if that helps you, go ahead and use it. You're not interested in the mind getting attached to having that all the time. But in those situations where you really need it, whether it's inhale, exhale, whether it's let go, let go, let go, things like this can be really helpful to the mind. But just don't get in the habit of using those regularly and on an ongoing, consistent basis. You would like to get to the point where you can go longer and longer periods of time just the body the mind and the breath just focus on the breath and only the breath but there are going to be some situations where something might come up in meditation and it's quite challenging or you might be going through a difficult time in your life if people who are close to you are sick or ill or having some difficulties or if uh, you've been involved in a few conversations that have not gone very well and have been kind of rough and difficult or you've had a difficult few days your meditation practice is going to be shaken up because your your mind is shaken up your craving desire attachments are being triggered the mind is craving permanence for your loved ones to be healthy or you're craving permanence for your own conduct to be a certain way or you're craving for certain things in the world to be a certain way if your mind is shaken up outside of meditation in your meditation it's probably going to be shaken up as well But use this as extra encouragement to kind of double down on your meditation and really soak into it. Sometimes what happens is when life gets really tough, people will have a tendency to go away from meditation because they're feeling down. They're feeling kind of lost. They're kind of feeling maybe even empty or a little bit worthless, or they might have some misery or despair that's coming into the mind, those painful feelings. And some people turn away and they start kind of distancing themselves from meditation but it's actually just the opposite when you're feeling like that you should be walking closer and closer to meditation don't allow the mind to walk in the opposite direction away from meditation walk towards it and really double down on it so if you're having a really busy week or two or three or you're being challenged with some people who are close to you that are sick or ill or you yourself are sick or ill you're having difficulties with that, or if there are certain things in the world that you really wish were different than they are, and you're noticing it's a rising frustration in the mind, rather than walk away, get into your meditation and maybe even do more sessions. If you're used to only doing two sessions a day, maybe bump it up to three or four, because this is what's going to get the mind out of that. Feeling. If we walk away from meditation and we go two or three or four days without meditating because we're feeling so miserable, it, the misery is just going to get worse because we're not doing the good, wholesome things that we know are going to improve the condition of the mind. So in those situations where you feel a bit lost and you feel scared or frightened or agitated or irritated, those are the times to, to move towards the meditation. The Buddha calls the Eightfold Path, he calls it the escape It's the escape hatch, essentially, is all this discontentedness that the mind experiences. The Eightfold Path is the escape hatch out of this. And part of that escape hatch is meditation. So during the difficult times, if we walk away from the escape and we walk in the opposite direction from the escape hatch, then we're getting farther and farther away from the escape. So instead, we should walk towards the escape, which is... Partially meditation, but all the other factors on the Eiffel Path as well.
2: For the question, she writes, I don't know the chanting until I do it. Is it okay to use a mantra, I do know? For example, I know gate or gate, gate to the end of the mantra. Would that be appropriated?
1: Uh, what what mantra is that, uh, Basim?
2: If I'm reading it correctly, it's Gate, Gate, Paragate, Paras, gate Buddha, Sava. Gate, Gate, Paragate, Bodhisva.
1: Okay, yeah, if you'd like to use that, you can. I'm not familiar with it, but as you probably have heard me taught, or I use chanting more to kind of ease the mind in and out of meditation, and that one sounds like it would be wonderful for that. So, yeah, that would be fine. Well, if
2: one looks down to themselves, feeling that no one loves me. In such cases, does loving-kindness meditation
1: help? Absolutely. This is perfect. So if you're feeling kind of lost or empty or worthless, or there's that negative self-talk in the mind, there's a lack of self-confidence and things like this, loving-kindness meditation is perfect to build up that loving-kindness towards yourself. And what you might end up doing, if you're noticing that, is have sessions where it's just may I be peaceful may I be safe may I be well may I be free of all discontentedness and then again may I be peaceful may I be safe go through those four affirmations for I multiple times it doesn't have to be just one set of rings for I you can do multiple sets and then maybe you do that three four five six eight rings just I I I I I and then all beings right? And do that for a week or two or three or four or five, however long you need to cultivate and develop loving kindness in the mind for this being who you are right now. And then when you're observing that there's more self-confidence, there's more motivation, there's more self-love, so to speak, not conceited love, but more uh, self-love, this genuine interest in seeing all beings be well, including this being, when you notice that it's starting to permeate in the mind more and more, then you can modify your loving kindness meditation and maybe just do one, two or three rings for yourself and then bring in some rings of some other people or other groups of people. So this is how this meditation remains fluid throughout your practice. It'll always be kind of fluid based on what it is that you need. And it's not such that you can do just one session and magically you're going to have loving kindness for yourself. That's not the way this works. It's kind of like slowly wearing away even the most difficult and stubborn anger, hatred, and ill will. But it does that slowly and gradually over time. So that's why you'll need to commit to this multiple sessions. And that's why if you aren't having loving kindness for yourself, it took probably many months and many years for you to get to that point. So you're going to need many weeks and maybe many months to get to the point where you have loving-kindness for this being that you are now currently. So don't expect quick changes, but also don't be complacent with it either. So stay consistent and dedicated to it, and just know that it takes a while to kind of slowly transform the mind.
2: Well, it seems that your loving-kindness teacher is coming back to you. (laughs) Amina is sending you uh, wishes, and she is... uh providing advice for you, say David. If you would like to try a bit, a bit of squeezed lemon juice and honey mixed together, you may that may help soothe your throat. We appreciate your dedication to the continued development of our meditation practice. May we all be well.
1: Thank you, Amina. I appreciate your your warm thoughts. Uh, yeah, I usually just let these kind of things take their course. So thank you for your your kind thoughts and uh i'm sure all of this is just impermanent right it's just going to be a matter of time before I'll be right back to where i usually am but yeah a little bit sore throat i took a covid test this morning so uh, we have those here at the house so i know it's not covid and my son had this about 3 days 2 or 3 days before me so as you know Amina having a child in your home you're going to be sick it's it's going to happen so as long as we're in this human condition we're going to experience sickness, aging, and death. We can't escape those three things other than to eliminate the discontentedness, eliminate the pollution of mind. Never experiencing birth again, we will escape sickness, aging, and death. But as long as we're in this human form, uh, we will experience sickness, aging, and death. But by doing our work in this life, then we won't experience a future life so that we'll never need to experience this sickness, aging, death, the despair, the displeasure, the uncomfortableness that we've experienced in our life. Sure, we've experienced lots of pleasures, but we also have had lots of grief and misery at different times in our life too. So the escape from all of that is what you guys are working on. So admiration to you guys for continuing to learn and be dedicated to to growing your practice. Well, uh,
2: this uh, loving kindness, maybe the best thing we end with is uh, our uh, classroom. No more questions for me.
1: Okay. Well, thank you all for joining today's class. I really appreciate, like I said, your dedication, your determination, your diligence. It's a very wonderful thing to be able to gradually build up your practice like this and to do this amongst uh, all of us that are coming together more and more on a regular consistent basis as you guys know this program we meet on sundays and wednesdays and we're more than halfway through our group learning program we're going to be in chapter 13 this sunday and uh, you're welcome to join for that at the same time 9 p.m thai time which depending on where you are in the world it's probably a different time unless you're on the same time zone as thailand but you can join that class and you can learn and develop your practice. Be sure you download this book. If you don't have a copy of it yet, download it or take it to go get it printed or order a copy on Amazon. That'll help you to learn in the program. And once we get to the end of the program in another 12 or 14 weeks, we'll be restarting it all over again. So if you're joining us kind of now or if you've joined us in the last few weeks, everything's going to be starting all over again. So there's people in this program that have taken it 3 4 times so you can really continue to learn and grow in this program and then we have another program as well which meets on Saturdays so between these two programs you'll be able to build up your practice over the course of many years and you'll see the diminishing of this discontentedness and that's how you'll know that the mind is learning the truth and that's how you know the practices that you're implementing are working because things that once created anger and maybe some strong emotions and strong feelings in the mind, as you learn and practice, they just diminish and gradually diminish and gradually diminish until eventually they're eliminated from the mind 100%. It just takes time, effort, and dedication to really work towards that. But the beauty in the Buddhist teachings is there's no belief that you can see the truth for yourself as the condition of the mind is gradually improving. I have no doubt that the teachings that I'm sharing with you are going to work to do that, but each of us have to do our own work in order to have that happen and gradually see the improvement to the condition of our mind. So thank you all for joining. I appreciate all your support, all your dedication. I'll see you guys on either this Sunday or perhaps next Wednesday, maybe both of those times. Have a lovely rest of your day. Sawadikha.